It's a TV show. I don't need to know your thoughts on it. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Ironic is kind of a one of the undersung rain songs of the world. Not undersung by Alanis. It's not undersung. No, I bet I bet she has nary gone a day without singing. It's like Ray. <laughs> I feel like I haven't gone a day without hearing her sing it. You probably haven't since like 2011. No, no, it's been a long haul <laughs> a long stretch Wait, when do you think it actually was like maybe like 2016 we started playing Alanis all the time yeah we did not play her on the radio station in the first iteration at which i worked okay but probably within two years <laughs> it was Alanis. yeah nice i think she, so she released like a new album this year did anyone hear it no Nobody, not one. Not a single person. <laughs> not nary a soul. I, I was really hoping that I'd be driving one day and it'd be like, and here's the new song from Alanis, actually. And it just slapped. I, well, I think it's possible. I think it must be really challenging for people who were successful as recording artists in their 20s to the extent that they're able to keep doing this for the rest of their life. Right. And maybe they'll find some kind of like artistic edification in, in continuing that creative journey. Yep. But like, what a tough mountain to climb seriously to have to get over never being as successful as you were when you were like 23 and like being fine mm -hmm. like financially but just artistically probably feeling like an empty tank yeah exactly or like in the case of Atlantis how do you feel when Broadway comes a knock and they're like we want to do the Jagged Little Pill stage show right and it has like all the makings of a very big success. And I think it was a pretty big success. Yeah. Um, because people know and love those songs. But like... It was basically like Spider-Man the musical. Yeah, I think it was a little <laughs> better than that, I think. But like to revisit that, it's not unlike uh, Taylor's version, I guess. Going back and then like having to open up your diary yep. from your like really vulnerable, formative age. Yeah. A time where people are not otherwise like criticizing your artistic output except you know you're so much better it's true like yeah so a, a weird tie-in olivia rodrigo mm -hmm. obviously her album legit yep very legit have you listened to it very much okay good yeah. uh so she recently gave taylor credit on one of her songs and i don't know what song it was but okay. i've got a theory that it's deja vu okay and i think it might be and my theory is the I think you get deja vu yeah. is like very derivative of Cruel Summer. I I thought maybe uh Bad Blood. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. there's like a yelling part in Bad Blood that's like very like It's similar. wild to imagine that Olivia Rodrigo was eleven when Bad Blood came out. Oh like, my god. Yeah, she's like seventeen or eighteen years yeah, old. Yeah, I guess so. We're we're now at a stage where like ten years ago, like we were adults still. Absolutely. So yeah. It seems weird when people she's, are. She's cool. When that album came out, I, I tried to do like a lot of thinking because there was a lot of comparing to Paramore. And, and there's something interesting about how her music as an 18 year old, which is authentic and sincere to her age group, mm -hmm. is somehow also really relatable to like millennials. There was this like weird cross pollination of demographics where people our age are like somehow really relating to this 18 year old. Yeah. And I guess it's through people like Haley Williams. Yep. And speaking of Taylor Swift, like you remember that song uh, uh, on Lover? 
uh, paper ring is that what it's called paper rings which kind of sounds like a veronica song like yeah, it's got yeah, this yeah, like yeah, weird yeah, yeah. like boppy like uh 10 things i hate about you kind of like right, girl right, right. rock yep. quality to it and i i guess she gets that from taylor swift because she's notably a big fan but mm. it might be an accident or it might be a, a brilliant design that they were able to bring millennials and and zoomers together mm. yeah i uh i i would listen to that album again and like that album is like a weird concept album that I don't think could be recreated. Which one's that? Uh, Olivia. Oh, okay. Olivia's the Olivia album because it's because it's angry. Um, it's kind of I don't know because it's all about like one guy. Yes, and it's just so central to that and mm-hmm. the different scenarios around that and like you know brutal. It's just about her like kind of having like panic attacks and people telling her that. It's going to be fine. And her that making this like kind of less like, about the guy, I guess less about the guy, but more like her mindset. Yeah. It's all in relation to that. I think. Totally. So I think you could listen to the whole album and go like, wow, she like poured her guts out about this one scenario. I, I think she different. definitely did. Yeah. And by the way, the scenario itself is like part of the, the image of Olivia Rodrigo, right. and like all the drama around the little love triangle on the set of high school musical, the, tv show the series the, movie, <laughs> the series the, the music yeah <laughs> um but i think also it's appropriate that this 18 year old has kind of like i don't want to say one track mind because that's uh reductive but this kind of like singularly focused concept album mm-hmm. because when you're 17 or 18 you really only have your mind on a couple of things yeah and the big love is the big love right yeah it's good it is good go listen to it we give it our ass yeah sure sure a couple of millennials endorsing an 18 year old's uh career she she met joe biden yesterday really yeah she was at the white house she was i guess like talking about social media with the president or something it was a whole thing (laughs) we did it joe (laughs) how are you what are you watching what are you doing uh how's your birthday birthday was great it was actually like kind of an all-timer yeah it was golf through the day Barbecue at my place afterwards. Conor McGregor fight. Oh, good. Which, okay. like, not a big UFC guy. Yeah. But, like, if there's a pay-per-view on, I just, I was at a stage at that point in the night. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get the fight. Totally. <laughs> I just, like, ordered it. Good for you. Boom. Guys, come on in if you want to watch the fight. It was great. It was fun. Uh, everyone actually had a blast, and I'm so happy that it was organized for me. Um, watching Atypical's back. Yeah, I haven't I haven't dug into it yet. Nor have I dug into although maybe it's just out now. Never have I ever. The just first season. came out, I think, yeah. today. So like a couple of high school Netflix shows out at the same time. Yeah. Did you hear about Never Have I Ever, the narrator situation? So it I guess it circles around Chrissy Teigen getting half canceled. Is that the yeah. idea? Yeah. Yeah. So now they got one of the Hadids. Yeah, I needed a bit of a brief on the the half cancellation thing and jen gave it to me i'm not okay i'm glad i'm glad you can help because all i know is that she has a bit of a history of being kind of a cyber bully yeah that's what they said and then like so this girl came out and people like kind of canceled her because she had apparently been kind of brutal to this person and and uh like bullied it's brutal out there it's brutal out there god (laughs) um and after that Another guy apparently fabricated a story. Oh. And this is all like on the heels of her, I guess, losing a baby. Was it that there were shrimp in his cinnamon toast crunch? Oh, remember yeah. that was moment in time? Guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot. We we spent like six minutes on the shrimp and the cinnamon yeah, toast crunch. Yeah, we must have really guy. needed it that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. We needed some filler. <laughs> um, 
And that that was pre-third wave. Yes, it, it was. was a simpler time. It was an easier time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah, anyway, so Chrissy Teigen obviously uh, was sought after by probably Mindy Kaling to narrate Never Have I Ever season two. Yeah. She must have, maybe she did it and then got replaced afterwards. Yeah, because I don't remember uh, Paxton having a voiceover in the first season. I just remember McEnroe. Yeah, it wasn't a voiceover. You're right. It was just, it was a narrator. But it was a voiceover, wasn't it? Like, same same difference. But, like, the idea was that John McEnroe was Davey's voiceover and that handsome boy who, actually 30, his yeah. voiceover was going to be Chrissy Teigen. Now it's uh, Bella Hadid. Oh, because the second season focuses around him? No, I just think, like, the okay. same way any show with a narrator. You know how Grey's Anatomy does that? Like, yeah. if Meredith is usually the narrator, but every now and then it's Karev, and you're like, this is a special episode. Yeah, right. It, so is McEnroe back for the second yes. season? Yes. Oh, okay. I like that more. Yeah. Kind of felt like, well, who, who's... Honestly, why would he get rid of that gig? Who's That's in his corner? easy, and he looks like a good guy. It's just, like, easy laughs. He did totally. a good job the first time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's got those media skills, for sure. So is that the end of the Chrissy Teigen drama? I don't care that much. I think but so. It's, I, I it, didn't actually read the article. There was a time where people really wanted to like rush to her defense because she yeah. had, was kind of like an an every woman yep. on social media. Right. And then it just kind of felt less like that needed to be the case. Yeah. Do, have you watched any of I Think You Should Leave yet? No. Oh, it's so good. My in-laws were here this weekend, so I didn't watch anything. That's a tough one to went, watch with I the went, in-laws. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't watch anything uh, with them. Sometimes we'll watch a movie that I've seen before. And I know it's like a safe watch with them. Mm-hmm. We didn't watch anything. We just had like a crazy Yahtzee tournament instead. Whoa. Which was solid. All right. Um, but I, I've gone a whole week now without seeing a movie I haven't seen before, which is unusual. Yeah. You were really making a habit of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the last movie I saw was uh, DPS. Right. <laughs> <laughs> did we go too hard on DPS? No, I don't think we did. I think we went appropriately. The problem is I, I finished watching DPS going. I think Dead this, Poet Society for those yes, who didn't know. I think this movie is overrated. I don't think it's for me, but like I didn't hate it. And then we talked about it. We talked me into hating it. And so now my lasting memory of DPS is going to be like, that movie blows. Through that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think we just thought maybe it was slightly overrated. I think it is for sure. Yeah. We, we went in with high expectations. I watched, I watched the first couple episodes of Superstore. Yeah. I'd never seen it before, but like I am on such a loop of falling asleep to like Parks and Rec or mm-hmm. The Office or or Friends or like How I Met Your Mother. Or these like I just rewatch, I comfort watch these sitcoms yeah. as like I don't know a coping mechanism or something. And I figured it was time to introduce a new one. And I'd heard that this show is like good, not great. Yep. And so I put a couple of them on, and that is how I would describe the first few: good, good not, not great. great. Yeah, but so like, not really like, palatable. Yeah, you're not. Um, it's it's better than having to sit through like. Bang Theory or something. Exactly. Nice. Yes. Yeah. It's not Mike and Molly. Like it seems like they have a <laughs> they have a, a quirkiness to them. Also, I'm glad to see Amer- America Ferrera being Doing like stuff. like funny and normal in something. Yeah. Uh, and main guy is the voice of uh, Tyler well, Tuskman. Well, not just that. Uh, yeah, Ben Feldman. Yep. Uh, the premise of the first episode of Superstore is like him being a fish out of water on his first day at the oh, new, really? at this weird quirky new place where he's working. Which kind of fitting. Exactly what happens in Monsters at Work. You know what? I think we could have been just to quickly like dip our toe in like a little uh, amuse-bouche as uh, as the, the trailer for Ted Lasso says. Um, 
to just dip our toe into monsters at work territory for okay. a second. I think either of either of us could have done the voiceover on Tyler Tuskman. And I was very jealous of Ben Feldman for getting that. Part. Because you think it's easy work or you think that we have the I think we've got the I we think the energy the, the vibe and the energy and the voice. Oh, okay. I think I think we we've got a kind of youthful exuberance mm-hmm. that's not overly mature. But there's a neuroses to the our, our vocal quality, I think. There, yeah, there's almost kind of like a, like a cartoonishness anyway. Neither one of us are alphas. No. Yeah, I'm into that. Actually, this, this plays very nicely into an embarrassing admission. A um, silly for nothing project I've always wanted to give myself yep. was to revoice an animated character. So like pick a huh. movie like Hercules or something. And put it into Adobe Premiere. Whoa! And cut out Jonathan Taylor Thomas and put in Colin Spates. Oh <laughs> man! But like, I don't know why, and I don't even know that I'm, I'm capable of doing that. I bet you are. Yeah. <laughs> That's our next project that you do ninety percent of the work on, <laughs> and I come in and voice like twenty minutes of. Yeah. Uh, where you just do like a two-parter. That could be. We could be Horace and Jasper, and then you end up like re-animating <laughs> and syncing it all. Colin went a little overboard and he remade 101 Dalmatians Sweets, for the fourth time. Sweets, I think you need to do more reshoots on this. <laughs> I got to get you back over here for ADR. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can make it work. I can come at like one in the morning <laughs> if that's okay. <laughs> You'd like stay up. Listen, like, but I'm okay. a union guy. You only get two more takes. <laughs> <That's> right, <yeah. laughs> I just throw the cans off. All right. That's it for me. See ya. That just seemed to me like something that would be funny. And I'm surprised more people... Because, you know, like YouTube content creators like do weird stuff that seem like they have too much time on their hands. So right. Like, how is that not already a funny thing people do? Like live table reads or something. Yeah. But but people haven't thought to revoice things with just. Well, that's a whole other concept. Like, what if they take um, good masters? Yeah. Well, yeah, that would be really funny. But like, what if they what if they take Disney's Aladdin or something, the animated version and they get a whole new cast around a table. Yeah. And they actually re- do a live table reading, mm-hmm. but like to the animations. Yeah. And so you can actually watch like the genie, but with, I was going to say Will Smith, <laughs> with Will Smith's voice. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in seeing that than I think a live action. Totally. Yeah. Like, let's see what, let's see what they, what these uh, the actors only, do. With the it. only problem is that usually this, these, um, Images are animated around, around the, the performance. Voicing. Yeah. So y- there would have to be some practice done for sure. The timing of it could be really challenging. Or you, you just play a loosey-goosey and you don't nail it. Right. I think that's the way you would almost have to kind of yeah. be with it. Yeah. But a live read, that would be an interesting charity thing. Right. You have the the live table and they're literally trying to match the actual speed of the animation yeah. in real time. That could be... That could be really interesting. Except they don't know the 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 timbre and cadence of the movie, even as well as we do, having seen these movies over and over again. Because mm. they just went into a booth and did it fifty different ways. Yeah. And the director picked their favorite one. The, yeah, you'd have to almost take like big time fans. What if I had you over and we were like gonna watch Toy Story or something, mm-hmm. and I didn't tell you what I had done, and I just like <laughs> started playing the sweets cut. Yeah, I just exactly the sweet the, the sweet. I just replaced Don Rickles. Just, <laughs> oh my god! Hey Ham, look, that, I'm Picasso. That would be 
so startling. Just, just to like watch you and see what you, how long it takes you to go. What's wrong? I with don't. The- I don't think it would be the first line. Like mm-hmm. I don't even like an iconic line like that. I'd be like, huh. I don't even know if I would say huh at first. That's why you I have to eventually. do it with a subtle character. Yeah. 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 Definitely. But I do think you and I should play like Horse and Jasper or Pain and Panic or something. You put you you voice like Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even think of any any of Andy's lines. It's probably just like Mom. Yeah, and where's like, Woody? And doing the voices of the characters. Right. Yeah. yeah. That would be hilarious. We're here to that. stop you, one-eyed Bart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert! I like Toy Story. We're going to talk about that more later. All right. Uh, okay. What's going on in the news? Uh, so Black Widow, mm-hmm. a pandemic theatrical record breaker, eighty oh, really? million dollars to like way more dollars in the theater than any other movie since the start of COVID. I guess Whoa. unsurprisingly, they waited exactly the right amount of time to have a theatrical hit again. More than Fast Nine? Yeah. Very big deal. Because a lot of the people that went to see Fast Nine are people who were ready to go to the theater as soon as theaters were open. Right. But a lot of people were using a big tent pole movie like Black Widow to be the reason they went back to the theater as like kind of a symbolic experience. Right. Um, and I want to have one of those experiences too. I just don't need it to be a Marvel movie. And, and I wanted to ask you what would be the movie specifically or just theoretically that could get you back to the theaters at this point. Oh, uh, new Tarantino movie. Yeah, that would be, well, that's going to be like five years from now. So (laughs) (laughs) you're going to need something better than that. But similarly, there's been a lot of press about, the French Dispatch premiering at Cannes, which is the new Wes Anderson movie. Oh, cool. And I'm thinking that's something that could probably get me to the the old Nickelodeon. Got into a bit of a, a Wes Anderson conversation last night with some oh, friends. You should have called me. I should have. I was considering it. <laughs> um What was the what was the theme of the conversation? It was essentially just kind of like we were talking about like going through actually it started from a friend saying I want to listen and, and actually like right before this, I might've converted them to, uh, to listen to this very podcast. Yeah. I might've, uh, I might've upped our listenership by, we recently ranked them, like didn't we? 2%. Just like casually we, we chatted about all of them. Yeah, I think so. I think we did like an informal of like maybe the kind of undisputed top and I, three. I recently rewatched Rushmore and Bottle Rocket. Yes. And Moonrise Kingdom. I've seen a lot of Wes Anderson movies in 2021. I think that's what I was trying to do was I was kind of off the top of my head trying to go, okay, what was the order of the movies? And inevitably I left like a bunch out, but they yeah. were like, I kind of want to maybe like go into like Wes Anderson movies. And, the, and my other friend was like, I want to watch all the Quentin Tarantino movies. And I was like, man, do the Tarantino thing for sure. And do yeah. the Wes Anderson thing too. But right. there's just, I think you could go quicker back to back to back on for me tarantino well they both have nine movies thereabouts right yeah yeah probably uh i know that true romance is getting like a, a big like re-release with like a remastering and everything which is half a tarantino movie he wrote the script but yeah. didn't direct it true romance is cool i haven't seen it i don't know anything about it actually no no it's not a bad watch okay i've only seen it once okay it was one of those ones that i watched because everyone had been like mentioning it mm it's almost like uh, Raising Arizona. I've never seen that, and I hear it referenced all the time. That's like the original Coen Brothers movie. Is yeah. it the first one? Yeah. Or the first one where they broke through? Yeah. Okay. I need to watch it. Apparently, like it's the best Nick Cage movie ever, too. Yeah, that came up on Armchair. That's why, yeah, exactly. that's why that's top of mind. Yeah. 
Who did he have this week? Because I'm not following him right now. Um, he had well, he had Michael Pollan on. Oh yeah, okay. And then he had Kate Beckinsale. Weirdly, I don't care so much. I didn't really watch. The, I didn't listen to the Kate Beckinsale. No, one, but uh, but the Michael Pollan one was good. Want to talk about the Emmy nominations? Yeah, this, let's do it. I, is, I know nothing about the Emmy nominations. Well, that's valuable. I would say that as far as feedback goes, um, people are generally pretty pleased with the Emmy nominations, which we can't always say is true. Okay. And well, it's hard to imagine that it's already been a year since the big Shits Creek um, renaissance. Yeah. The, the one thing that I know for sure is that Ted Lasso, I think, got nominated. 20 times. Right. More than any other like new show, and it's kind of position before i mean it seems right now like it's going to be the shit's creek of this year like it's just going right. to clean up but like there are people on ted lasso who got nominated for supporting emmys that like you forgot were in the show like that really? like it go, it runs that's probably an exaggeration but it runs deep yeah but like um the the mean soccer player who leaves the team yes right Jay, jamie tart no jamie oh, tart right 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 um you're right he's also mean but mm -hmm. not nice mean he's mean mean right he got nominated Wow. Like both of them got nominated. It's it's remarkable. Outstanding drama series. Um, the boys, unsurprising. Bridgerton seems a little goofy to me. I know people liked it in like a easy watch kind of way, but mm -hmm. was it of a high caliber? I guess Jen would know. I don't think she would call it high caliber. The Crown, The Mandalorian, which is cool. Nice. Lovecraft Country, Pose, Handmaid's Tale, and This Is Us. I think This Is Us kind of just snuck in there because this is their final season. Did you it's, finish it? It's not their final season. It's their second oh, last season. Okay. And I, I think it's a numbers game. There were fewer shows. And also, they're getting brownie points for having stuck out the pandemic and right. like worn the masks on camera and stuff. Gotcha. Comedy show, Blackish. Again, this is just a perennial nominee. You cannot convince me they're doing anything fresh at this point. Okay. Give me a damn break. Uh, Cobra Kai, Pen15, which is cool. Nice. Hacks, which seems premature. Yeah, definitely. Ted Lasso, the Kaminsky method, which is ridiculous. Uh, the flight attendant, which is kind of neat. Wow. But we're kind of cuckoo for Quoco. We're cuckoo for Quoco, but I didn't think the, that society was. Can you guess what else society was kind of cuckoo for? <laughs> and it's kind of cuckoo that it's nominated. We had this conversation when it got nominated for a Golden Globe. And I thought for sure that was just because the HFPA is like totally bananas. I didn't think the Television Academy would nominate. Emily en Paris? You got it. Wow. Here it is. I, I guess like people seem to think that it's ironic. Is it ironic? I can't tell. Unsure. Maybe they owe Phil Collins a favor. Reggae Jean Page, Starling K. Brown, Billy Porter, Jonathan Majors for Lovecraft Country, Matthew Reese for Perry Mason, and Josh O'Connor who plays Prince Charles in The Crown. Okay. Uh, Emma Corrin who's Diana in The Crown, Olivia Coleman, who's uh, the Queen in The Crown, Uzo Aduba, Elizabeth Moss who I'm told, and there's a lot of Handmaid's Tale nominations here which is it's kind of amazing that show's still on i'm told that show is way past its prime and that oh, really? she's emmy chasing at this point but so how many seasons we're at probably four or five okay five or six maybe i mean it's one of those shows that's been around a lot but maybe it hasn't done a, a year every year right. journey smollett for lovecraft country and mj rodriguez for pose who's the first uh trans person to be nominated in a major acting category um Outstanding supporting Michael K. Williams for Lovecraft Country, Bradley Whitford for Handmaids, Max Minghella, uh, John Lithgow, Tobias Menzies, who's really great in The Crown, Giancarlo Esposito, who's um, in The Mandalorian. He's oh yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's fuck, what's his name? Uh, Moff Gideon. 
Moff Gideon, yes. And Chris Sullivan, who's Toby in This Is Us, which seems like a reach to he's me. He's Moff well. Gideon, but he's also one of the best villains of all time. In Breaking Bad. In Breaking Bad, and I don't know why I can't think of his name. Uh, Gus. Gus Frang. Yeah. Gus Frang, yeah. Jillian uh, Anderson, who was uh, Margaret oh. Thatcher in The Crown. Oh, I was thinking uh, po- uh, Poyos Hermanos, which was the name of his restaurant. The, the chicken shop, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Helena Bonham Carter. Now, Emerald Fennell, I think, is silly. And I think this is one of the one of the instances where the Emmy is kind of telling on themselves a little bit. Emerald Fennell won uh, the Oscar for Promising Young Woman for for writing the... Ever since right. that movie came out, I have not been able to say the title of it, Promising Young Woman. Uh, she won the Best Original Screenplay Oscar. And she also happens to play Camilla Parker Bowles in The Crown. But All she's right. in it so minimally. It is bananas that she's nominated for an acting Emmy. Okay. It's just that she's more famous now and she's someone who's apparently deserving of awards. Okay, gotcha. And they're, it's not even the same discipline. They're like, maybe we can put her in our spotlight a little bit. Ann Dowd for The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Yvonne Stravinsky for The Handmaid's Tale. Samira Wiley for The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, Madeline Brewer for The Handmaid's Tale. Wow. Come on. And uh, somebody for Lovecraft Country. I don't have my glasses on. Now, okay, here comes the the Ted Lasso reign. Jason Sudeikis. And then Anthony Anderson for Blackish. Michael Douglas for The Kaminsky Method. William H. Macy for Shameless. How is that show still on? You were watching that when we lived together. Yes. There's, I think, nine to 11 seasons now. It has to be the final season. That's nuts. And Kenan Thompson for Kenan. Wow. Do you remember how much we hated that show? Yeah. It got booked for a second season. We were like, wow, really? A.D. Bryant for Shrill. Gene Smart for Hacks. Allison Janney for Mom. Kaylee Cuoco for The Flight Attendant. And Tracy Ellis Ross for, for Blackish. Bowen Yang for Saturday Night Live, which makes him the first ever featured player to be nominated for an Emmy. Wow. Keenan Thompson for Saturday Night Live. He doubles. He won't be a featured player next year now after you no. get an Emmy nominee. He's kind of due to graduate beyond that anyway. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso. Brendan Hunt for Ted Lasso. Nick Muhammad for Ted Lasso. Jeremy Swift for Ted Lasso. Paul Reiser for The Kaminsky Method and Carl, Carl Clemens Hopkins for Hacks. Kate McKinnon for Saturday Night Live. Cecily Strong for Saturday Night Live. A.D. Bryant for Saturday Night Live. She doubles as well. Rosie Perez, a flight attendant. Uh, Hannah Einbinder, who's that nobody from Hacks. Okay. Hannah Waddington for Ted Lasso. That's Rebecca. And Juno Temple for Ted Lasso. That's nice. uh, Keeley. Yeah. Love it. Do I have to read all of these? No. Outstanding no. limited series. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a this is a heavy category. Tell me who you think is going to win. Mayor of Easttown. Yes. I May Destroy You. Oh, yeah. The Queen's Gambit, WandaVision, or the Underground Railroad. That's a a juicy category, sir. WandaVision's not going to win. No, I don't think so either. Underground Railroad, hard to say. Um, But it's a toss-up between those other three. I don't think it's Mare either. I I think it has to be I May Destroy You. Yeah, probably. Or or Queen's Gambit, for sure. Is she nominated for Best Actress? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, Let's skip down a little ways. Lead actor in a limited series, Paul Bettany, WandaVision, Hugh Grant, The Undoing. He's been chasing this nomination. He's done so many talk shows this year. Ewan McGregor for Halston, Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton, and Leslie Odom Jr. for Hamilton. We're milking this puppy right. dry. Uh, Kate Winslet for Mare of Easttown, Michaela Cole for I May Destroy You, Anya Taylor-Joy for The Queen's Gambit, Elizabeth Olsen for WandaVision, and Cynthia Erivo for Genius Aretha. Jean Smart for Mare of Easttown. She doubled. Catherine Hahn for WandaVision. Julian Nicholson for Mayor, 
Philippa Sue for Hamilton, Renee Elise Goldsberry for Hamilton, and Moses Ingram for Queen's Gambit. So what's the girl from I May Destroy His Name again? Michaela Cole. Michaela Cole, okay. David Diggs for Hamilton, Jonathan Groff for Hamilton, Anthony Ramos for Hamilton. Uh, and then it kind of just like rotates back and forth between like your Mayor of Easttown's I May Destroy You. Uh, Don Cheadle got nominated for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And that's so ridiculous that even Don Cheadle was like, openly like that's how like, he yeah. was in like two episodes that's what he says he he spoke about it and he's like i think this is silly guys like i think i think this is him being the first to be like i think awards are a racket really yeah wow yeah timothy oliphant for the mandalorian which is kind of cool and carl weathers who was not a big deal in season two of the mandalorian so for I some reason i confused oliphant with chalamet for a second how dare and you and the mandalorian became a very different thing how dare you i don't think there's anything else we have to oh felicia rashad for this is us I feel like she's not going to win. <laughs> nope. <laughs> she's not. They're not going to give her a soapbox right now. Alec Baldwin for Saturday Night Live. Dave Chappelle for Saturday Night Live. Daniel Kaluuya for Saturday Night Live. Dan Levy for Saturday Night Live. Maya Rudolph for Saturday Night Live. Kristen Wiig for Saturday Night Live. Holy moly. <laughs> Outstanding series, Saturday Night Live. And Bo Burnham got nominated for six Emmys for Bo Burnham Inside. For Emmys. Yeah, this is these are the Emmys. Yeah, I know, but like is it is that where you well, get this nominated? Is, this for is what Emmy? I'm thinking. Like, is he could he potentially like EGOT on one project alone? He won't. But like Technically he could. What are the what are the differences between a TV episode and like it's a TV special and he's nominated in like TV variety yeah. for like all the categories. For performance, for original song, for so he'll uh, writing. He'll for, win an he'll win an Emmy. I think so. And he'll win a Grammy. Yes, he'll win a comedy Grammy. Yeah, that's that's a shoe in. So he's got the egg. I don't think he can he can get a Tony from from Bo Burnham inside because it wasn't a stage show. No, it was decidedly not a stage show. Right. Watch him take it to the stage for like one night only. Well, just the, to try to get the yacht. The thing is, it is doing a theatrical run, so it technically qualifies for the Academy Awards. Oh my god. Yeah. And that would be like under a musical or something. So it could win like best musical. Well, they don't have that in the Oscars. They don't? It you could definitely win a Golden Globe. Right. But that's not that's not the G. No. The G's not transferable. No, that's correct. Oh wow. And Bo Burnham's on one. Yep. Yep, for sure. Can't wait till he wins a uh Oscar for Larry Bird. <laughs> I think that's a TV show. He's, isn't it? he's he's playing the uh, the titular Larry Bird in the Larry Bird Project. It is a TV show. Yeah, Loki got renewed for season two. Okay, are you done with that? Is that over now? No, we have one episode uh, left to watch. Okay, well, there's at least one more episode because there one came out this week. A good hang overall. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I like it. Good. I, I think you'd like it better than Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, and I think better than WandaVision. Wow. See, the thing WandaVision became like such a fixture of conversation. Like it yeah. really felt like something different and something almost, dare I say, special in popular culture. Maybe not maybe not better than WandaVision, but I like it a lot. Okay, good. Space Jam comes out this weekend. Space Jam 2. Is it not out yet? I, I did kind of wonder. I was thinking about this when I was leaving because I was listening to Bill Simmons talk about how like LeBron always has something to to promote and when he doesn't make the finals he's like i told everyone the 
the finals shouldn't be so, or the season shouldn't be so long because like people were going to get injured. It's like y- you control the NBA. You made every call. That's interesting. What exactly do you mean that he controls the NBA? Just because he's so he's got powerful? he's got such a say in okay. everything that happens, and wow. basically he like what he says goes with Chris Paul, who's the leader of the NBA PA. The, Is your the take here team. that LeBron's a little shady? I hate LeBron. Oh, interesting. I hate LeBron so much. But oh, I didn't know that. Oh, How really? We talked about LeBron so much, and you've never told me that you hate him. Oh no, as like a player um, who is in the, I guess I should say like I, I like sports hate him. I get That's it. That's a yeah. good like. Just as as like someone who played against the Celtics so many times in the Eastern Conference Finals and like was just always like really good. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, when he gets like booted from a series, he's like in a cast. Oh yeah. Okay. Like that kind of vibe. Yeah. He's always got a re like he he so clearly wants to be better than Michael Jordan and mm. isn't like doesn't make any secret of that to the point that he's the guy in Space Jam too. Well, like, yes, that does and that just like increasingly I I know it kind of smelled like this from the beginning but like increasingly this just feels like somebody on his team of professionals should have caught that this is not a good PR idea to be in this movie. This movie can't be successful. It's so clearly just a commercial. And that's what I was getting to, by the way. It has 38% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. 38%. Yeah, it's getting totally wrecked in the critic in the in the in the criticism. And um it was always going to, I realize now. Yeah, it's tough to tough to bring that Who one said this was a good idea? Well, hey, but I mean there's a lot of movies that try to try to do a revamp or a sequel that end up being like and it's actually incredible yeah whoa like who would have thought it's Borat got 99 yeah, yeah exactly um so to that extent i could see it, it weirdly being like you know because th- they lebron's got a million friends too that he yeah. could be like hey bill Hader, can you help write space jam 2 sure. i say that I'm, I'm not sure how actually tight they are but i'm sure he could get like the best of the best to and I'm sure it is Chip full in. of cameos, and yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm sure it's very flashy and expensive looking. Mm-hmm. But, but I even meant for good. like the writing. Did you hear him on uh, on Smartless? No, he was on Smartless. He was on Smartless this week. Yeah. Oh no, that's a must listen. It, it is a it. He comes off good, and that's the reason I bring it up because maybe he is trying to chase some kind of like title above. Jordan, although I don't think he's ever going to achieve that. Like, I think he's a way better person than Jordan. Like, I well, okay, I, again, I sports hate him, but yeah, I, that. I, but all that really means is that he's a less interesting person than Jordan because, like, that was the big. By the way, is the Last Dance not Emmy qualified, or was that last year? I guess that must have been last year. I th- oh, well, it must have been last year. Yeah, because um, that was like such a big deal, and everybody agreed it was excellent. Yeah, uh, and at the expense of Michael Jordan not being a very good person. Um, He's a good guest on on Smartless, and he comes off like very gregarious, as he usually does. Um, but he also talks about his uh, his peers, including Michael Jordan, very reverentially. Yeah, basically as a fan of them, and I think he mentions Kobe as well. Um, and so he kind of implies that doing this is a tribute to his basketball heroes, and it's right. easy to spin it that way. But it kind of seems like this movie is just going to get gobbled up. Meanwhile, they're like, are you going to be a movie star now, LeBron, the same way The Rock was? And I think he'd like to do that. Right. There was a, there was a whole thing. Yeah, he probably would. There was a whole thing where... And he runs his own like TV shows and stuff, too. Like, yeah. There's a whole uh, show, I think it's called The Barbershop, where he like, just oh, has yeah. people on and like yeah. they're like 
they're celebrities and sports figures. Like Chelsea Handler's on with like Tom Brady and they're all like sitting around chatting. You know how like recently it became irrefutable that Tom Brady is the best football player, is the best quarterback ever. Like yeah, it's yeah, I really think, I think I know what you mean. I know you do. But like also like if you didn't like Tom Brady, you'd have a really hard time arguing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's still pretty easy to argue that LeBron's not the best basketball player. There's a case that he's the best, yeah. but it's not as clear cut. And I don't think it's ever going to be. No, there's the the things that he'll, from a longevity standpoint, mm. people will be like, oh, he played forever. Kind of like Tom Brady, but I think it's just less refutable all in all. Like he can play long enough to, there's also so much like kind of tampering and stuff too. Like he can yeah. bring so, he can bring basically whoever he wants on the team. Well, I just think that like, Tom Brady has no interest in not playing football and right. that's cool. Yeah. That's why he's 45 or whatever and is still winning Super Bowls. Yeah. Um, but clearly LeBron has other aspirations and that's fine as well in mm -hmm. a Dwayne Johnson capacity. But if he wants to make the transition being in movies, co-starring alongside Daffy Duck is not the answer. Mm. You should have gotten yourself a role in the Suicide Squad remake. Right. And you didn't. That you was didn't your, that. that was your shot. That was mm -hmm. your foot in the door. Uh, I haven't mentioned uh, when you brought up the rock. I think we're maybe done with the with the Space Jam LeBron. Subject. Totally, we yeah, okay. we're, we're done on on Space Jam for sure. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I actually cut you off early? No, oh, we're okay. done. Yeah. Okay. Um, the speaking of the rock, I've been getting caught late night a couple times, about to go to bed, see the biography channel and what's on. But a goddamn WWE biography. Oh, okay. And I didn't I never think that I'm gonna get caught by it. But I think three times so far, I click over to it and I'm like, oh, it's about uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then I'm like up at till like eleven thirty just <laughs> watching Stone Cold be like, and I got back into drinking and I had to call like my my buddy. You love a sports Vince documentary. McMahon. You had to know that this was gonna happen. Dude, I think that's the thing. Like yeah. I need like a sports documentary channel. Yeah. Well that's a thing. Those exist, don't they? They might. How have you not seen the OJ documentary? I know we talked about that recently. I know, I gotta watch it. It's not that sporty actually. It's mostly about culture. I think it's weird yeah. Which I think I would like more. Well, yes, and he is uh, objectively a person from one of the most famous athletes of all time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Juice. Juice. Hey, okay, easy. <laughs> <laughs> what? We're not going to like celebrate juice. No, no, that was me doing my uh my impression of uh uh what's his of name? the Kool-Aid guy? No, um uh David Schwimmer. Oh. Juice. Why does he say juice? I don't get the reference. Well, he's the lawyer in uh, oh, the movie yeah. about him with Cuba Gooding Jr. That's not right. The movie, the yeah, the American series. Crime Story show. Yeah. That's right. Okay, uh, we only have one show to talk about. Do you want it? It's Pixar centric. This is a Pixar episode of the yeah. pod. Do you want to rank our our Pixar movies and just like talk about all the Pixar movies first, or do you want to talk about Monsters at Work first? No, let's rank our Pixar movies. Okay. Uh, okay. So there are many of them, and I realized when I ranked my five that my list is very basic and it's mainly because while most Pixar movies are good, there are clearly some better ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So obviously Toy Story is important to me. I didn't want to put like four Toy Story movies on here. Sure. And I guess my least favorite Pixar movie ever is Toy Story 4 because of what it made me feel inside. Right. 
Uh, I think Toy Story 2 is very good, but I didn't want to put it on this list because it's not as good as 1 or 3. I start with Soul, which was a tough decision. I wasn't sure if it was Soul or Coco. I think that these are both like existential movies about life and death, and they're like in the newer class. We're, we're going from 5 to 1? Correct, yes. Okay. 5 to 1. Um, but I did see Soul first. I saw Coco quite recently. Okay. Um, and I just had a slightly stronger reaction to soul and so i wanted to put that uh, at number five okay. number four toy story three we remember the video of me crying on like march 18th 2020 when all of us were emotionally raw and i had just watched toy story three and i just like broke down crying yep becky filmed me <laughs> number three is the incredibles which i think rules i love the stylistic choice to like put it in the 70s for some reason it kind of predates the superhero movie um onslaught in which we now live the incredibles was supposed to be the 70s oh yeah i don't know if i ever picked up on that you would if you watched it now okay. there's like a very decisive style choice Whoa. to like their house and their furniture and everything okay um i i just loved like the the, the culture that they created for superheroes in this bizarre world number two monsters inc which we can talk about at greater length wow. tonight All but right. just like the concept of the doors and the yellow scream canisters and yep. like the industry of terror is such mm -hmm. a cool idea and like maybe the the best other than like Buzz and Woody, certainly the best duo in a Pixar movie is Mike and Sully. Right. Um, and number one is Toy Story. Super boring pick, but like revolutionary. One of my favorite totally. movies of all time. Yep. And um, endlessly rewatchable. Yeah. That's a solid list. Obviously. I knew it was. <laughs> uh, was surprised about Monsters, Inc., honestly. Okay. Didn't see that one coming in there. All right. What do you have for me? I completely forgot about this task. Oh, I see. So okay. I was kind of trying to, to put it together in my head as we were talking. You can do this on the fly. What do we have outside of... Okay, I happen to have those with me as well. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, so not mentioned A Bug's Life, which is like the second ever Pixar movie, which is now kind of lost to time. Totally lost for some reason. It's really good, but nobody talks about A Bug's Life, and it kind of deserves a bit of a... A comeback. Yep. Uh, Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. So Finding right. Nemo, it was like the movie that was used to sell plasma TVs in 2004. <laughs> okay. In, in every Best Buy and Radio Shack. It was just like always on. Yep. And it's very good. Finding Dory was fun. It was passable, but it's a it's a one-time watch. Sure. Um, the Cars trilogy. Okay. Pretty widely accepted by everyone older than like hardcore Lightning McQueen fans. Right. To be the low point totally of, of like such a kid's movie pixar's commercialism uh ratatouille yeah i've never seen ratatouille oh it's great people love it yeah it's very yeah. very good wally was tough to take off the list i considered it wally okay wally's on there for me up everybody talks about up for its first five minutes i would say that up peaks in the first five minutes and it's just downhill from there i also think that is kind of the impetus of pixar realizing that their whole bread and butter is emotional manipulation mm -hmm. and i resent that a little bit and so i hold that against up brave like a bug's life is a really underrated pixar movie yeah just kind of like lost in the mix somewhere but it's really really good uh monsters university which is very forgettable inside out which is another pete mm -hmm. doctor movie which a lot of people think it's like a masterpiece i like soul better that's his yeah other pixar i do too movie. Um, the Good Dinosaur, which I never saw. The Incredibles 2, which is fine. It's okay. Okay. 
Uh, Onward, which I didn't see, but apparently it's a sob fest. Oh, yeah. And Luca, which I just watched recently, and it's okay. It's like, in terms of stakes, it's much lower grade than most Mm -hmm. Pixar movies. Like, the the conflict is not as big of a deal. Gotcha. I think there were definitely two that stood out for me. Okay. Finding Finding Nemo and Wally are my top five. Okay. Up is possibly in my top five. Interesting. Even after the sermon I just gave I know. against Up? I know. Good for you. But I haven't, I, I can't remember the last time that I watched it either. You're right. You're right on Toy Story for sure. I don't know how to put, it can only be one of them for me. Well, we can go in the other direction if this is easier. Yeah. What is very, very assuredly your favorite Pixar movie? I guess I would say Toy Story 1, but also like, I think I've only seen Toy Story 3 once. Okay. But I think I might have also sobbed. Yeah, you do. Like it was it was such a perfect ending. It was just And it was such, the ending. We agree. It was the ending. Yes. Um so for the sake of differentiating, let's put Toy Story 3. Okay. As my number 1. That's a good pick by the way. It's almost as good. Yeah. Yeah. The the only the only knock is like Toy Story started at all. So totally. it's weird to put a third as the first. And, but and we'll do by it the way, first. like Toy Story 2, also amazing. Like it's I, I don't remember that one being that amazing. It is. It's really good. Okay. Yeah. Introduction I mean, the one of where Jesse. Jesse, they build this whole backstory for like Woody as a and there's like a great adventure sequence at the airport in the end and yeah. like and rescuing him from the apartment building in Al's toy barn. Like that's right. where that's where like the commercialism of toys in general enters that franchise. Right. That's pretty cool. All right. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing it in the theaters yeah. in Cape Breton with my aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. but can't remember much beyond Similarly that. Similarly to um, uh, uh, Monsters at Work, I kind of thought like Woody's Roundup would have been a good mini series for Disney+. Plus. They could put out like mm. four little Bonanza episodes of like yeah. a puppet Woody show. Right. And Tom Hanks could just like make... Yeah, or Joe Hanks, nothing. his brother, who like does the voice of Woody at Disney World and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. They have the same voice. It's pretty cool. Wow. And Tom was probably like, I bless this. Like, yeah, he got him the job. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so good. Um, God, that makes me like Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely Wally, Finding Nemo, Toy Story 3. What else could I put in there to fill it out? Um, oh, Solar Coco. Uh, maybe Soul yeah. and Coco. Okay. I like them both. Coco rules. Yeah. Coco was way better than I thought. And I just saw it like, Five months ago. Yep. Yep. Um, and then you have no particular feelings about Brave. Rat, you didn't see Ratatouille. I don't think I saw Brave. The Incredibles. That's the other like big franchise you have been kind of considered. The Incredibles I like. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Good. Just, just yeah. I think maybe recency bias is playing into to effect a little bit. Fair enough. Okay. Let's talk about uh, I'm gonna get you to recap. Monsters at work. Monsters at work, which I think you can handle. Since My you gave me at work. since you gave me Dead Poet Society, I think you can <laughs> handle the first episode of Monsters at Work. On the plus, you have thirty seconds. In three, two, one, go. Tyler Tuskman has worked his whole life to become a scarer for Monsters Inc. But Monsters Inc. recently implemented new rules that scaring is not allowed, and they need to find a new way to keep the lights on in Monstropolis. So Sully and Mike have been uh, dedicated to CEO and they are changing everything to be jokesters. Tyler Tuskman 
is working in Mift, which is the mechanic's office, and ends up finding his way into the spot. I thought it was really cool that they decided to, in similar Incredibles fashion, pick it up immediately after the movie. Is that what happened? Absolutely. So yeah, that's what they okay. decide. That's what they decide with Boo, the little girl, that they can power Monstropolis not just with screams, but with child laughter. And so they're not going to scare kids anymore. They're going to do comedy for the kids. Oh, that's incredible. Okay. I love that. Yeah. And so that's kind of why they're rebranding the whole Monsters, Inc. mission statement, because it was corrupt and run by evil Mr. Waternoose. Yeah. And so they're now in charge. And so my first instinct going into the show is like, how can I deal with Monstropolis without Mike and Sully being central to the show? And they do open the show, mm-hmm. but it seems like they're going to take a deep backseat for the rest of it, Yeah, which is fine because now it's set up and it feels like Celia, the receptionist, is there and Roz, the floor manager, is there. like it's still you recognize all these like side characters Yeah, because uh, Monsters, Inc. built a pretty lived in world. Um, and I was game. I thought that they struck the landing. Yeah. I maybe it's because of my lack of familiarity with Monsters Inc. Like I probably caught it at a weird time. Like sure. it might have been junior high for me. Yeah, probably. Didn't really like stick with me. Probably didn't watch it again, kind of thing. Right. Didn't uh, uh, re-educate myself on the Monsters Inc. world mm-hmm. before watching this. Just kind of was like happy to be done it. Okay. I mean, I was very impressed. Sorry. Very impressed by like the animation thought everything was like and by the way super like, sharp. why is there not more splash about there being like a pixar tv series considering all the work that goes into making these things it's totally i guess they already have the molds for the yeah. characters and stuff like maybe it's an easier throw together where it's already kind of built digitally it, it was so cool like you could yeah. see every single hair on sully in yeah. 4k like that was impressive um but i just kind of felt like maybe it was i think it was Let's boil it down to a lack of knowledge about exactly what was happening. I would have had more appreciation if I knew it was built right after. That's big the of you. Ending. That's yeah. that's big of you to to put it on yourself. It's okay yeah. if you didn't like didn't connect with it. Um, I thought that it was pretty great. I thought that they they cast well. Like we got mm-hmm. Mindy Kaling in there. Yeah. Uh, Henry Winkler. I think Tina Fey. Was I don't it? know about Tina Fey. No. Okay. I scoured the IMDb's. I don't think I saw her anywhere. Okay. Um. She was in Seoul this year. She already she already yeah. did her Pixar time. I know. Um, and I thought that this the story was good. Like, I mean, I don't know how much we can get out of this guy who's like, kind of finding his footing as like a funny monster. Like, mm-hmm. at one point he goes into a door to make a kid laugh, and he doesn't know what to do. And the kid comes back through the door, and he gets lost in the factory. They don't like milk that for all it's worth. But when the kid like runs into the factory, I'm like, okay, we did this. In I was, Monsters, I was Inc. thinking that like, like are, are we just redoing that? That I can't be the that. premise here. Yeah. And it's not, but like, I guess it's just going to be like regular workplace silliness. The same mm. way Superstore is, or the right. same way the office yeah. is told through the lens of these goofy characters. Mm. And that's okay with me. Yeah, because it's not childish for like a Disney plus show. Like it's, it's kind of made with the same comedic, sensibility as the movie right. and it's relatable if you work at a job not if you're a kid who likes bright colors it's true i do think <clears throat> that there's like a, a level of of humor that's that maybe a little little more skewed to like kids okay than adults yeah like i i don't know if disney set out going this is going to be like for everyone sure maybe they i mean maybe they did but but I think they were kind of like, yeah, this one's probably going to be a little more for the 
the kids. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I was thinking the other day about The Office. This is apropos of nothing, but I was wondering, is The Office capitalist propaganda? <laughs> like, hmm. like while, while, while gently satirizing, like, corporate policy and, like, capital W work, Mm-hmm. Is it also like kind of glamorizing it? Like, isn't the premise of the office at the end of the day, we're all a family, which by the way is a toxic ideology. I think that, um, I feel like the Ryan part of the story was really playing against that. Okay, great. I think they, they shut it down in the end. Like, because with big shows, you have to do that. So it, like when you close up a show, you can't be like, everyone just went their own way. I guess they could right. have done that, well, but good, they did it like a very wholesome thing because that's just what the audience wanted. A good example of what I'm talking about is, do you remember like midway through the show when Chip from Whose Line Is It Anyway leverages his promotion at Dunder Mifflin for a better job at Staples? Yes. And everyone's like super pissed at him, which is fine. Yeah. But then Jim says in his talking head, you can say a lot about Michael Scott, but he never would have done that. And right. the implication is that what Chip did is really slimy. Right. But here I'm going like, good for Chip. who got a better <laughs> job. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, he let, doesn't owe Dunder Mifflin his Chip life. do his thing. What yeah. was wrong with Chip? And so like the, the, the propaganda there is that you owe it to your employer to be loyal. And that's fucked up. But also, I mean, it's not capitalist propaganda. It's maybe more because, I mean... Arguably, you could say that Chip was the bigger capitalist because he was true moving for a buck. Right, he wasn't being. I would say maybe right. maybe it's loyalty propaganda. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's just, and maybe capitalism isn't even necessarily the the main villain in the point I'm trying to make. But there is a dangerous culture around familiarizing people with their coworkers to a manipulative extent. Yeah. Like, let's make this like a family and we'll all have barbecues together so that you are less inclined to want to go to work at Staples. Mm-hmm. I, I do think there's something to be said for creating a culture. Like, you're better off to... I don't even want to say you're better off to. I just think it's like in everyone's best interest to... To want to work here. Uh, to, no, to do things that like make the culture better yeah. because then people are going to want to stay right productivity is better morale is higher people enjoy themselves you're right exactly and i mean whether you're a boss or whether you're an employee whether you're like it's better for everyone if the culture is better so if you can do something that like you know you can eliminate the kind of culture killers yeah then that's good and i think the show is just about you know like blindly trying to find a way to get through a monotonous day the offices. Yeah. Yes. This is such a reach, but basically I'm like trying to bridge this to Monsters Inc. Like, is this <laughs> right. also capitalist propaganda? And it, neither one of them are, but like yeah. there's something about me that's kind of like, hmm, I don't know. I think family's more important than work. Right. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of cutesy like that. Yeah. I do know what you mean. Um. Yeah, I find it funny that, uh, yeah, there, I, I think that, the reason that office shows exist is just because it's such an easy way to highlight group dynamics of like people that are completely different. Well, and by the way, you're right. It's a microcosm of all kinds of different that. And that's what makes parks and rec good for yeah, the same reason. Exactly. It just like brings together all these different people. 
that's why I relate to Superstore mm -hmm. because, because they I, don't have a choice in it. That's another thing. You have to work there. Yes. And it's with people. It's not like a family thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, a, I would never necessarily talk to this person otherwise. Right. But here's Phyllis. Well, here's Ron Swanson. He's like, spe Swan he specifically yeah, yeah. doesn't like the people that he works right. with. And he's against government, but he voluntarily works here, which yeah. is insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like Superstore, the episodes that I've seen, because I've worked in retail. Mm -hmm. And so like there's some there's some kind of like synapse that's like being triggered and making me happy when I see him with a little scan gun going yeah. up down like which is so silly, but You're like getting that nostalgia. Yeah, they walk through the big black plastic doors and they're in overstock and I'm like, I've been there. Yeah, totally. And so I guess that's just what makes TV shows good if they're relatable. Yeah. 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 Totally. I too like Billy Crystal and John Goodman. I can relate to this. They were great. I give it my S. You maybe not so much. I don't think I do. Okay. But um I'm I'm here for it. Like I'm here for for people to like it. Okay. I think Disney is doing a good thing. <laughs> pro Disney? Yikes. That's a worse thing. Disney's pro capitalist? Uh yes. I think that that's probably the the takeaway. Crazy. I don't believe that. Oh, I meant to mention this earlier. This is interesting. There's a a new Anthony Bourdain documentary called Roadrunner which looks sad as all hell but probably uh, really awesome. Yeah. Um, this is kind of sketchy. They have used an AI to create Anthony Bourdain narration for the movie. What? Yes. So not a lot, like, but they have like a lot of recording of him talking and he's able to like be very present in this movie, even though he's not with us anymore. Yeah. But to bridge some gaps, they've had a computer fill in the blanks. Wow. Isn't that so Did, bizarre? Did like Bourdain's estate? approve all this Is i think they must have because it's not thought to be controversial at this point okay and it's a very flattering documentary i think yeah. it's like like what a freaking cowboy this guy was right uh but like if you and i died tragically they could create our voices out of this podcast mm. and he was recorded just as much as we were and so they're able to do it very yeah. like pretty easily but it's so upsetting that they can uh <laughs> it's upsetting that he's gone yeah, it is. Yeah, that's sad. I were was that like new when we were doing this? No, I I just know that it happened when I was. It probably happened three or four years ago because I was living in my last apartment. I can okay, still, I can still picture where I was when I. So when yeah, I we saw were, that we were doing the show show. We probably had an episode like right after it happened. Yes, we had we an won't. episode that week. I guess. Yeah. Wow. wow. Definitely came <clears> up. And I know that he was a part of early uh, Me Too conversations really? not, not that he got me too no, no. but like he would say things against like harvey weinstein and stuff yeah, yeah wow yeah what a fucking guy yeah i i have you ever read kitchen uh, kitchen confidential no but it's in the house because becky's read it nice or she's read most of it or something Does she like it i think so yeah and she's just like a like a food person a kitchen culture person yeah. in general and and she's watched a lot of his shows and so she finds him uh very interesting as do i as like a writer i find mm -hmm. his language really really awesome yeah um but you'd probably you haven't read that book i haven't read that book. you'd probably like it as a person who's interested in addiction which you've yeah. often been i, sure I think that that's a big part of that book as well mm -hmm. i wonder if the audiobook is done by him i i bet it is yeah. i mean it, audiobooks have been around for a long time and he's such a reader yeah. like he's such a voiceover guy yep oh yeah that would kind of be a treat yeah maybe i'll jump into that do it i think well it's on the list that okay. I'll forget about next week. Will Smith has gray hair. He's shared some photos of like like stark gray hair. It might just be movie stuff. It might be like when he's playing the Williams dad or something. 
I think Will Smith's probably had gray hair since like 1998. You think? He's finally letting it fly. Yeah, he just didn't wasn't telling anyone. Ah, uh, so we're on to him, or he's finally deciding to come clean. You know who's got some gray hair? Doesn't hide it. Who's that? This guy sitting right across from me. That's true. No shame in your game. I got a little something. You're just like whatever. I have a few new ones in my beard, actually. Okay, how do you feel about that? I mean, fine. I think it's one of the luxuries as a um. This is going to come across as wrong. Yeah. I'm not going to finish that sentence. No, I think I know where you're going. There's a double standard. There's definitely a double standard yeah. where like like we don't have to care and women feel like not they only, do have Not to only care. do we not have to care, there's this like whole idea that men look better when they get gray. Right. There's this like encouragement to like be on natural because you look sophisticated and refined. You know what I think the gray is for us? We had a little bit of this conversation last night too. The gray for us is bald. Sure. It's less yeah. of an issue for women. Yeah. Are you going to go bald? Do you have any no. any visions of that? No? no. No. That must be kind of encouraging. Yeah. I, I was talking last night about how stoked I am that I just like never need to worry about that. I didn't necessarily get the height thing, but like everything else. I feel what do you base this on, good. by the way? You just have, a, you do have very thick hair. Yeah. I, I guess just, just my dad, my mom's dad. My oh, your dad, dad does have a head of hair. There's no one in my family that is really truly bald maybe like wow. a little like receding hairline here and there but not like you know guys like in their 60s there's a fair amount of baldness in my family yeah and they say it comes from your mom's side i don't know if that's like true or if that's just a myth um regardless both of my grandfathers were bald ah. uh and my mom's brother is pretty bald and okay. my dad has a bald brother too so i think i'm gonna lose my hair <laughs> really yeah. i think you can pull it off though get a good head shape i can tell I don't know if Strong I do. Strong head shape. I, I, well, my hair's pretty short right now, and I feel around my crown a little bit, and I think I have a square skull that I've been hiding with lovely curly locks for years. I think your head shape is akin to Doug from House of Cards, and that's the highest compliment I could pay anyone. <laughs> okay. Doug from House of Cards is your pinnacle of handsome man? Uh, handsome bald man? Like, yeah. Like, if you're losing your hair and you got to be bald... That's the kind of like uh, the kind of look you want. That's what you go I, for. I got like a uh, like really coney head. If I shaved my head, I have seen you shave your head. I don't remember you having a cone head. Oh, it's very pointy in the back. Okay, a little pointy up top. The eyebrows are just too thick in general. Right. So it makes everything else look weird. Well, I think the Not timing is everything. Some men can look very handsome bald, mm -hmm. but you have to know exactly when it's happening, mm -hmm. and you cannot resist. Like I have a friend who believes that one day he'll go bald and he has a deal with his barber <clears throat> that if it's hit the point of no return, his barber during a haircut one day is to shave his head without, <laughs> without warning. Without full. Yeah. Okay. And I don't think that's actually going to happen. Imagine if it he's did. very proud of that system. Yeah. If it, if it did happen, and he just heard like, <laughs> it's like, well, I need to accept my fate oh, here. Here it is. As if the barber would never say anything. He would yeah, well, definitely that's, go That's like, the thing. Like, my friend is very proud of his his little plan that he's devised, but that's never going to be realized. No. no. But it's cutthroat. I like that, though. Yeah. And he is kind of trustworthy because he says, like, you know, I'm just putting this into your, into your hands. But some people with their hair, you know, are they gray? Are they not gray? Are they pulling it off? Are they not pulling it off? Have they like been hiding it from us? You don't know. Will Smith, this is the official call out to you. 
we want it on record. Were you gray before? Is this a, just a ploy? Well, I think he was. Like, there are people, like, Howard Stern swears that he is naturally, like, still jet black hair. And Howard's not vain. No. So I don't know why he would lie about that. Right. But he's also 67. It's just impossible that he has that much black hair. Like, Joey Tribbiani's an example that, like, he was, like, as gray as he is now right. in, like, 1997. And they're like, Joey's too youthful. It wouldn't look right if right. he's all gray. Fair enough. And maybe the same logic is applied to Jimmy Fallon, who you see him sometimes, and his hair is noir. And you're like, I just don't believe this. I know that his whole thing is, like, youthful exuberance. But come on, buddy. Right. Come on, Jimbo. <laughs> Johnny. Jacko. Come on. Felonius, please stop dying. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. <laughs>